Amen. Thank you, Brother Bond. Let's stand and take our Bibles tonight, please. 2 Samuel chapter 19. 2 Samuel 19. Thank you for being in church tonight. And we are praying the Lord just encourage us this evening from the passage and um, get us ready there for this coming week. 2 Samuel 19, if you would, please. Look around you. If your neighbor doesn't have a Bible, or specifically if they don't have a King James Version of the Bible, would you share your Bible with them, help them find their place? Now, while you're there, put your finger also in 2 Samuel 17. We'll be looking there for just a moment and briefly at the verses there, and that, that will encourage us tonight. 2 Samuel 19. We're talking This morning we talked about one old man. His name was Caleb. We're looking at another old man. His name is Barzillai. And uh, old in the sense of age, not old in the sense of their lives and uh, in terms of what they gave to God. And it will be a blessing to you and me. Verse 31, say amen if you're there. Amen. Oh, that sounds pretty tired and weak. Let's try that again. Say amen if you're there. Amen. That's a little bit better. Just make sure you're awake there tonight. Amen. And Barzillai, the Gileadite, came down from Rosalem and went over Jordan with the king to conduct him over Jordan. Now, Barzillai was a very aged man, even fourscore years old, and he had provided the king of sustenance while he lay at Mahanium, for he was a very great man. And the king said unto Barzillai, Come thou over with me, and I will feed thee with me in Jerusalem. And Barzillai said unto the king, How long have I to live? By the way, that's a good question tonight. How long have I to live? Now, normally we ask lost people, if today was your last day on earth, what percentage are you sure you're going to heaven? Now, I'm going to ask you as a Christian tonight. If today was the last day you lived in this life, how will you stand before the Lord? How long shall I live? I told the people today as we talked about Caleb, I told the morning crowd, some of you were here. When you get to 80, you're closer to eternity than somebody that's in 20. But there for every one of us, there's a step between me and death. That's what the Bible says. And so notice tonight he asked the question, How long have I to live <clears throat> that I should go up with the king unto Jerusalem? I am this day fourscore, or if you would, 80 years old. And listen to his questions. He's just being very frank and honest about where he's at physically. Not where he's at spiritually, but where he's at physically. He said, can I discern between good and evil? He didn't say he didn't understand it. He was just saying, you know what, I think he had early signs of dementia. Can I discern between good and evil? Can I serve and taste what I eat or what I drink? Can I hear any more? The voice of singing men and singing women is almost like reading Ecclesiastes 12. Amen. Wherefore then should thy servant be yet a burden unto my Lord the King? Thy servant will go a little way over Jordan with the King. And why should the King recompense it me with such a reward? Let thy servant, I pray thee, turn back again that I may die in my own city and be buried by the grave of my father and my mother. But behold, thy servant Chimham, let him go over with my lord the king, and do to him 
which shall seem good unto thee. Now, write into Marge your Bible, just so when you want to get this. I might be going so quick tonight. I want to watch Mrs. Chimham was Barzillai's son. And the king answered, Chimham shall go over with me, and I will do to him that will seem good unto thee. Oh, that's so good. And whatsoever thou shalt require of me, that will I do for thee. And all the people went over Jordan. And when the king was come over, the king kissed Barzillai and blessed him. And he returned into his own place. Then the king went on to Gilgal. And Shimham went on with him. And all the people of Judah conducted the king. And also half the people of Israel. Barzillai only shows up two places in Scripture. The last three verses of chapter 17, verses 31 to 40, 2 Samuel 19. The king was in bad shape. The king had been run off his throne by his son. People were... Back in the city, we're thinking the king has failed us. Let's give our allegiance to Absalom. Things were unfolding. David spending his time in the wilderness weeping and crying. Not for himself. But because of what's happened. And even those who are with David, there may have been a few, they're not named... That in their minds, they were thinking, has the king really failed? The king now is in process of getting back on his throne in chapter 19. The big question in chapter 19 is, why speak ye not a word of bringing back the king? Barzillai shows up out of nowhere. Out of nowhere. And Barzillai shows you and me tonight what a relationship, a normal relationship should be between a believer and his king. I want to preach your message tonight. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Father, tonight we need you to meet with us tonight. We're such a blessed people. Even as Brother Denny said this just a little few minutes ago, we just kind of have to revisit what you did over the last few days. Lord, I'm just revisiting the last 19 years. Lord, we're such a blessed people. I feel like the psalmist who said, what shall I render to the Lord for all his benefits towards me? The psalmist said, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that's within me. Bless his holy name. God, tonight, thank you how Barzillai shows up in Scripture. And for the little time he's here, he speaks volumes to us about the relationship between a citizen of a kingdom and his king. Father, we need you to do a spiritual work tonight.
I believe these verses of Scripture are a bomb from Gilead. They're spiritual medicine for our soul. It's salve for open wounds. It's prescription for sorrows of heart. It's a needy spiritual prescription to help us through the journey. For those who are spiritually healthy tonight, it's a vitamin to keep them strong. And tonight I pray that, Lord, just as you spoke to me in my study and preparation, and God, I'm working my heart from this passage of Scripture. This is your congregation. And I call upon you tonight as the chief shepherd and the bishop of our souls, the great shepherd who through the blood of the everlasting covenant, who said you'd make us perfect and complete to do all the will of God. I ask tonight that you'd visit us, shepherd our hearts. Lord, I pray you'd take that staff and that rod and you'd speak to us. David said, thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Oh God, tonight we ask that the Spirit of God would speak to us. Give us an old-fashioned revival tonight, I pray. Meet with us. Sanctify thy people through thy truth. Thy word is truth. And we'll thank you for what you'll do tonight in Jesus' name. And all God's people say, Amen. First, tonight I want to commend you, church, for the great attendance and participation the last several days at our Faith Missions, uh, Faith Promise Missions Conference. Thank you for having faith in the program. You didn't know most of the people that came. They were unknowns to you, but God blessed. And as we prayed and just asked God what to do, God just gave us a wonderful, wonderful missions conference. I want to commend you tonight for participating, for those who've already submitted your pledges and those who are still praying about it, for participating in Faith Promise Missions and $465,000 committed to missions. And we're just praying right now and asking God for His mind. I'm praying that just with the extra funds we're going to have, I'm looking for many more missionaries that will get out there and get the job done and get the work of God going and do more for God and more churches to be started. I'm I'm looking for buildings that we can help build on the mission field. And I'm praying that even we'd have a hospital we can help build on the mission field. That'd be pretty awesome, amen? Just things like that that we can help a missionary with. Vehicles that we can help buy like we did for Brother Keith Stences and things that we're helping for Brother David Bohr down there in Cambodia and all these kinds of things there. And I want to commend you, church. I know you're tired. I know you're weary. But you've stayed by the stub. You've been faithful. And thank you very, very much. I want to say tonight I thank you for being a church that loves Jesus Christ. Notice 2 Samuel 19. I want to give you a review about this chapter. There's so much for those of you preachers. There are just, there's good preaching fodder inside of 2 Samuel 19. Time does not permit me to get get to all of this. I do want to finish through 2 Samuel. I want to get through this because I have a series I want to preach you entitled uh, uh, Family Portrait. And we're going to be looking at the 12 sons of Jacob. I've had about 12 messages I want to give you from that that has been burning my heart since the beginning of the summer. That I want to preach to the church that will help us. But we need to get through 2 Samuel before we get through all of that. And I want you to notice some things here. As we approach 2 Samuel 19, if you're taking some notes, David has returned to authority as the king after a lengthy absence due to Absalom's rebellion against him. Now, when he comes back to the throne, there's been this absence there. And the, and the, and the kingdom was rejoicing at first. And then, because David delayed in going back to the throne, they were somewhat in confusion at that time. And I just want to say tonight, as David was returned to authority, I just want to make a couple of thoughts to you and observations. Whenever there's rebellion, the king or our Lord is told that his authority is not wanted. And you think about that for just a minute. When we're rebellious to the Lord, we're disobedient, we're basically telling God, we don't want him to have control. We're saying he's not wanted. And, uh, you know, Jesus made this statement. He 
He said, no man can have two masters. And, you know, either you're going to love one and you're going to hate the other. Vance Havner was once asked the question, why can't a man have two wives? And his answer is very quick. He said, no man can have two masters. You think about that for just a minute. Amen. And uh, you notice tonight that David is in mourning in verse chapter 19 after he gets a report that Absalom was killed. Now, Absalom had to be dealt with, but David's command to his chief, his chief men was, do not hurt the young man, bring him to me. David just couldn't bear the thought of his son being put to death, stoned and killed for his rebellion. Joab did not listen to that. Joab heard that word. Joab took some, uh, some darts in his hands and he thrust them through the heart of Absalom and killed him. David is mourning after he gets report that Absalom was killed. In spite of Absalom's treachery, in spite of the fact everyone else was rejoiced the kingdom of Absalom was dead, David was not. David was mourning over his son. And just a thought as we, we think about that review tonight. You know, I want to just encourage as moms and dads that, you know, every now and then it's probably not a bad thing for us to mourn and weep over the sins of our children. We need to weep and mourn over their sins. Nobody should be concerned more for the sins of your child than you. And let me just pause here for everybody else that wants to stick your nose in somebody's business and start micromanaging somebody else's kids. You worry about your own kids. You worry about your own kids. Everyone wanted to micromanage David about what to do with Absalom. David had to deal with the repercussion that he lost his son. Listen, whatever he could have corrected about Absalom is too late. It's gone. It's done. And so we notice this day David's in mourning, but notice something else. The king, kingdom at this moment in time is divided, and they're unsure what to do. You, you go to the beginning of chapter 19, and they're rejoicing, but David delayed going there, and so the people, now the people are saying, well, you know, is he going to come after us? Those who take sides with Absalom are thinking, what do we do? And the people have gone back to their towns or back to their homes. They're hiding in different places there. They're wondering what to do. They're waiting for David to come back to Jerusalem. He's not in Jerusalem at that moment in time. He's over in Gilgal. And Joab comes to the king, and I don't, I don't necessarily like the spirit that Joab came to David, but his, but his mind was right. He came to him and says, listen, king, I realize you're mourning your son, but listen, if you don't get, you don't get back your discernment, and you don't get back to doing what you need to do, he says, you're, you're gonna lose the whole kingdom there. Now let me give you a thought about David just for just a moment. We're just in the introduction. David was a place in life where he lost a descendant. That hurts. David was a place in life where he not only lost a descendant, David lost his desire. He had no desire to be king. You get hurt, and you're hurt bad. You lose your desire about a lot of things. You just, you're kind of numb about what you're going to do there. Not only that, but David was at a point in time, and Joab saw through this. Joab realized David had lost his discernment. He just wasn't thinking very clearly. Hey, let me tell you something tonight. When you get, when, when, when you get to the trial, and all of us will, listen to me tonight. You have a trial. There's a trial that's going to come in your life that's going to be way over your head. You're going to feel like that trial has knocked you off a boat and you've sunk, you've sunk many feet down below the surface of the water and you're not a very good swimmer to begin with and you're just going to kind of be in this place where you're just kind of trying to figure out how to get to the top and you're not thinking very clearly. And listen, when those times come, we need to be very, very careful that instead of running from God or being numb to our situation and we're feeling indifferent about everything, it's very important during those times, regardless of how you feel, you need to get closer to God at that time. And let me tell you, that's easier said than done. Because when you're hurt and when you're numb, you don't feel like doing that. You want to get away. I've watched the best of people say, eh, it just doesn't work. I just can't do it anymore. 
And you're hurt because bigger than God. And you're hurt because bigger than your hope. You've got to be very, very careful of that. And now, with all that said, Joab was right in, in his mind. He said, King, you've got to get back to the throne. Now, his way he did it was wrong. He was disrespectful to David how he spoke to him. And he was out of his place in how he spoke to him. But David needed to hear that. And so the kingdom is now starting to come back together. And notice in verses 9 to 10 of this chapter, the first group of people that comes to him is Israel. Israel comes to David as king. But during this whole time, we read verses 9 and 10, and the kingdom is at strife. Now, that's kind of amazing. The king is now making motion to get back to the kingdom. He goes to the gate of Gilgal there. He's at the gate there. But while he's at the gate, the kingdom is at strife, and there's disunity. Hey, listen, the devil doesn't want a united church. The devil doesn't want people getting back to the king. God, the devil doesn't want you and me to have the same fervor, the same excitement that we had just a Sunday ago about faith promise missions. He wants us to kind of just sit idly by and let nothing, let nothing move us. And listen, we've got to be very careful those moments of time. But notice something else. The people who should have taken initiative to get David back to the throne was not Israel, it was the men of Judah. The men of Judah were his own kinsmen. I mean, they were his right-hand men. I mean, the men of Judah were the men closest to him. The people that should have motioned to get the king, encouraged the king to get back to his throne and to get back doing his affairs and doing whatever needed to be done to help him should have been the men of Judah and the elders of Israel. But they're the last. And David goes to them and he's watching all the Israel, the Israelites. And many of them were people that had sided with Absalom for the moment. Now they realize they were wrong and they're coming back to David. Now these, these men of Judah, he goes to them and says, you know, why are you the last why speaking not a word of bringing back the king why are you the last ones doing hey listen tonight revival cannot come to the church when those who have spiritual influence and those who have spiritual authority and those who have spiritual seniority and those who should be closest to the preacher and those who should be closest to jesus when they're the last ones to make motion down the aisle to get something done for god that's bible Hey, don't leave me out hanging to dry. I'm the only one standing there in the middle. You have some courage and say, listen, I'm going to take a stand for Jesus Christ. That's what's happening here. Why speak you? Why are you the last to bring back the king? But now we get to this chapter. This is where this is where I'm going to spend the rest of my time tonight. David is met by three men. Now, there's a fourth when you read this, but he didn't come like the other three. So we're not going to waste time on him. The first one that comes to the king is one who's in need of, write this down, he's one in need of mercy. His name is Shimei. Shimei was a rascal. Shimei epitomizes a low, low individual. He's disrespectful of the king. The king is already feeling bad. And he's picking up rocks to cast him at the king. He curses him. You're getting what you deserve. He told some lies about David that were public. He gets up in public. It's like somebody being very carnal and getting to the middle of a business meeting and started spouting off their mouth and being being disrespectful to the church and to God and start saying things that are untrue and start coming off in a, in a very carnal way. And I've heard of churches where that's happened. King's back on the throne. Shimmy, I think, man, <laughs> I'm in trouble now. 
He pays the fare, gets on a ferry boat that goes across the Jordan River, and he gets over on the other side to the king, and he comes to the king for mercy. And these are his words in verse 20, which you notice is, he said, I am come the first this day of all the house of Joseph to meet my lord the king. Now, I'll tell you one thing I like about what he said there. He realized he messed up, and he says, you know what, it doesn't matter about everybody else, I'm going to be the first. He was in need of mercy. Hey, how many feel like sometimes when the Holy Spirit speaks to you, you need to be the first to respond to the invitation? Amen. I was telling our staff, and the other day I was reading my Bible the other day, and, and I, was just, I just need to get a hold of God on some things. It had nothing to do with my messages. And I was go, I've been going through the book of Ezekiel a little bit here, just taking time. And God, I've just had such a wonderful time going through Ezekiel this last, last, the last 30 days here. I'm going through Ezekiel, and then the Holy Spirit said, you need to read through Ephesians because I need to talk to you, son. I started reading through Ephesians, and I felt like God was just pummeling me and pummeling and pummeling. And I sat there very early in the morning reading my Bible, and I thought, God, I need this. God, I don't even know what to say. And I just I, started, I got to place and dropped on my knees. I said, Lord, I can't take any more. i got to talk to you. Lord, and I, I need to confess some sins and I need to get some things in my life right. And I need to get some things in order with God. And Lord, listen, this is where this man Shimei is at right now. He's, he's a man in need of mercy. He says, man, I, he says, man, I messed up here and I could run away, but I'm not going to run away. I am a person that needs to get mercy. And he comes, he says, I'm the first of this, that to come this day of all the house of Joseph. And by the way, he comes to David. I'm thankful for David's spirit. David's spirit is just like our Lord Jesus Christ. He extends mercy to this man. And by the way, this man Shimei not only messed up, but he was representing all the house of Benjamin when he was throwing rock to David. You remember that a couple chapters before that? Guess what he does? He brings a thousand men of Benjamin with him. He brings a thousand men of Benjamin with him. Now, just going to tell you this. You know, when you get saved, you want to bring a lot of people to Jesus. When you get right with God, you want to be an inspiration to others who may have the same issues going on, that they, you bring them to Jesus. You inspire them to come to the Lord. That's what Shimei is doing. He had a lot of faults in his life, but at that moment in time, he came expecting mercy in his life, and he got the mercy. But not only that, he brought a lot of other people that felt the same as he did two chapters before. And now he's coming to David, and as he comes to David, he brings all these men to David. Hey, that's a wonderful thing. Hey, it's a wonderful thing when you get really saved that you bring people to Jesus. It's a wonderful thing that when you get right with God, that other people people see that your children see it and they get close to jesus that's a wonderful thing we see a man who wanted mercy notice the second man the second one who comes to david is one who was maligned he was misrepresented his name was mephibosheth now mephibosheth it's amazing when a government is in upheaval, who starts clamoring for power? And Mephibosheth, remember, we preached about him in 2 Samuel 9. He had a servant by the name of Ziba. Ziba had, like, what, 15 sons? A whole bunch of servants? And Ziba, of all things, appears to David while he's, while he's in his travels. And he says, and, and, he, and he brings these, these things. He shows his, some deference to David, brings some things to him. And, and, and David said, wait, 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 wait. I see you here and I see your sons here. Where is Mephibosheth? He said, oh, you know, that old lame boy. He aligned himself with Absalom. He did not. And you read this passage here. It's a very sad picture. Mephibosheth has not cared for himself. He is in a disheveled mess. I mean, he has shown, he found out that his servant did him in, and the servant did him in for one reason. The servant did him in, he took liberties that did not belong to him. He took those liberties to basically take all of Mephibosheth's possessions that David had given to him. That's underhanded. That is wrong. 
He did a political job on him there. And so Mephibosheth comes, and David looks at him, and David looks at Mephibosheth, and he's looking at him very suspiciously. He said, what are you doing here? He said, my king, would you forgive me? I'm so, listen, I came here today because he said, you know, I, I just, I'm very sorry what happened. I didn't do what did happen. I got maligned by this man. And so he said, you know, so David's thinking Mephibosheth came because he thought Mephibosheth wanted his property back. Hey, you read this. You know what Mephibosheth said? This is so touching. Mephibosheth said, let him have it. He says, I don't care he's got the land. What matters to me is that my king is back on the throne. He didn't come to David based upon what he could get out of David. He came to David so David would know that he had a heart of affection, loyalty for David that had not changed from day one. He said, listen, I'm like a dead dog. He said, listen, you invited me to be at your table of all people. You said you'd take care of me. He said, what right do I have deserved to even ask you for anything? He says, I don't want it. Let him have everything. I don't need it. As long as I've got my king, that's all that matters in my life. When we get hurt... We want our rights. We want our payback. Not Mephibosheth. He wanted his king. <laughs> he wanted David more than anything else there. We see Mephibosheth. We see Shimei. Now let's get to our last person. I'm getting right into my message. There's a third person. Shimei came for mercy. Mephibosheth came because he was maligned. Watch this. Barzillai came to minister. Read this. Most of the people who are coming to David were coming based upon what they could get from David. He was at a weak point. Barzillai appears out of nowhere. He comes to minister. Notice he's introduced to us twice as Barzillai the Gileadite. Barzillai is a beautiful picture of a man who loved his king. Barzillai is a lesson for you and me on how and why we should love Jesus. What you notice tonight, Barzillai teaches us, he inspires us, he helps us about loving Jesus. Notice Barzillai is a lesson to us about his ardent devotion. Notice Barzillai expresses his love for David through his ardent devotion. Would you notice with me again, verse, verse 31, Barzillai the Gileadite came down from Rosalem and went over Jordan with the king, conduct him over Jordan. Now, there's a lot of things I want to say tonight, but notice this. He's a man of Gilead. He, 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 he comes from a tradition of men that were loyal and devoted to God. I think tonight of a man by the name of Jephthah, who was a, who was a courageous Gileadite. I think of a man by the name of Elijah who came from Gilead. The men of Gilead were known for their courage, their ruggedness, and their devotion. They were devoted men. You find them at the front lines representing representing their nation. And Barzillai was no different. In fact, he probably was a cut above even, even Elijah in the sense that this man comes depicting great devotion for him. This man just doesn't have devotion. He has a fiery devotion. He has an ardent devotion. This man shows what true love for Jesus is all about. This man is ardent in his devotion. Notice as we look at this, the Bible teaches us some things about how to be devoted to Jesus Christ. It says that Barzillai the Gileadite came down from Rosalem. Listen, he teaches us tonight, we must have an ardent devotion regardless of the distance. Rosalem was a minimum of 50 miles from Gilgal. 
This man in chapter 17 made a trip through rugged terrain, through a mountainous area, through valley areas. He made a long trip there with all this. You read chapter 17 with this abundance of supplies. He, gears, he, he comes with two other men and they bring this abundance of supplies. And the distance he traveled by foot and by carriage was a minimum of 50 miles, maybe even more, because they probably just the way they had to get there was at least 50 miles to get to that area there. He comes down there to where David's at. He goes from Rosham down to Gilgal to be with David. And then he goes back up to Rosalem. And then he hears that David's back on the throne. And he comes back down again. Now, if my math is right, the man made a travel of a minimum of 150 miles to get to David. He said in his life, it doesn't matter how far it is. I'm just going to get to the king. Luther Younger is a Marine veteran. Luther Younger is a man that's 99 years of age. I saw a video of him, Pastor AJ. The man is, does, does a bunch of push-ups every day without assistance. He gets down and he's pushing up, man. Luther Younger, 99 years of age, has a wife he's been married to for 55 years. His wife is currently hospitalized in the hospital with pneumonia. This man, Luther Younger, walked six miles round trip, 99-year-old man, six miles round trip to be with his wife in the hospital every day since she's been hospitalized. It's been going on maybe four weeks now. I would say that's ardent devotion. A CBS reporter two weeks ago heard about this man and what he was doing. And the CBS reporter called him up and said, Mr. Younger, I heard, is it true that you are make your 99 years of age? He said, yes, ma'am. Is it true, Mr. Younger, that you are walking a round trip of at least six miles from your home to get over to see your wife? He said, yes, ma'am. She said, is it true that people have been offering you rides? You refuse them? He said, yes, ma'am. He said, why don't you take the ride? He said, because I just feel like I want to walk to see my wife. She said, can I join you? I want to see if you're really the real deal. He said, you can come join me. And so she came to join him and she walked with him. And as they got out, he put a big backpack on. He put the big backpack on. He said, no, man, I'm going to tell you one thing. You're going to ask me a lot of questions. Only thing I want to talk about is we walk to and from the hospital. I just want to talk about my wife. Whoa. That's devotion. But I'm going to ask you a question. How many of us have a devotion like, like, like this man, Barzillai? He made a trip of 50 miles, went back another 50 miles, came down another, 150, another 50 miles to be with David. He had an ardent devotion regardless of distance. Let me tell you tonight, do we need a God generation of people that distance is not going to keep you from Jesus Christ? Amen. Hey, how far will you travel to be in the right church? And don't get offended, but the people who get her earliest are the people that drive the farthest away. And the people that are closest barely get here on time. I'm not chastising, I'm just telling you, hey, how far will you travel to, be, to get to Jesus? Hey, how far will you travel to go to the mission field to represent Jesus? Hey, how far will you walk to take the gospel message in our area? Barzilli, Barzilli, I said, hey. I'm devoted to David regardless of this. Hey, notice something else. He was devoted to David regardless of the dangers. It was dangerous for him to go down there. He's 80 years old. Grieves my heart not to grieve your heart. For elderly people that get mugged by people who take advantage of them. This man brought all these goods. You read chapter 17. He brings all these goods down there to be with, be with David. Hey, along the way, there were terrains that he went to where there were robbers and thieves. 
There were some of Absalom's rebels that were still out looking for them. It didn't matter, Barzillai. Bar- Barzillai was devoted regardless of the distance. He was, he, was, he was devoted regardless of the danger. There were no dangers that bothered him. He just decided, you know what? I don't care about the dangers. My king has a need and the people with him have a need and I'm going to make my way there. About a year ago this time, we had a missionary couple there on deputation in Japan that came to our church. Sit right over here. Their pastor, Pastor Ken Waters, and I met each other on vacation one year. There were four preachers that all showed up at the same place on vacation. It was, a, it was really wild there. All four of us there. It was a rainy day. We all wanted the same place. Great time at fellowship. We exchanged phone numbers. One of them I already knew before. We just exchanged phone And Brother Waters and I have been in, been in contact since then. And every now and then he'll send me a text. I'll send him a text. And he called me up. He said, hey, Brother Fong, I said, I got a, mission. I got a couple from my church. His name is Chris. Her name is Kim. I want to tell you the testimony about Kim Waters because they're coming down your church. She's got an eye, eye problem. And if they don't deal with it down here, she found a doctor who can deal with it. She found an ophthalmologist, the, the only one in this that can deal with this disease she had. If she doesn't get it taken care of when she's down there, she said, he said she's going to lose her eyesight. He said, can you help her? I said, we'll take care of it. We put her up and took care of it. Kim Waters was a Chinese girl born to Buddhist parents who lived in the country of Ireland. A missionary went to Ireland, and Ireland's a very tough place. Our missionaries that are in Spain, the Hayes, were there. They could testify to that. And this missionary, wherever he was at in Ireland, worked hard, did everything he could to reach people with the gospel. And one day, he saw this, he went to a Chinese restaurant where her parents had a restaurant. And he went there, and he started ministering. He said, hey, can I bring your little girl to church? They didn't understand what church was all about, but they thought, well, you know, so they can help her. And this little girl, Kim Waters, now she's a teenager. She goes to church, and she's hearing the gospel. One day, Kim Waters received Jesus Christ as her personal Savior. She goes home and tells her mother and father, Hey, Mommy and Daddy, something wonderful happened in the church. And I went with Pastor Waters to church. And they said, What happened today, kid? She said, Oh, I got Jesus in my heart. I'm saved and born again. And I want to get baptized. Her parents flew off the handle and beat the fire out of Kim. Her father said to her in her dialect, If you ever go to that church again, I will beat you up worse than this. Kim messaged the missionary, told the missionary what was going on. The missionary didn't know what to do, and he didn't want to endanger her life. He said, well, maybe you need to obey your dad and stay home a little bit. You know what Kim Waters did? She prayed over that on Saturday night. Sunday morning at 5 o'clock, she opened the window. You could say she was a runaway, but she, she opened the window, went out the window, went to church that Sunday morning. Her parents waited for her. They didn't go to the restaurant. They waited for her, and as soon as she came home, they said, where did you go? She said, to church. They beat the fire out of her again. This went on until they realized... Nothing would stop Kim Waters from going to church and learning about Jesus Christ. Hey, guess what today? Fast forward today, Kim Waters and her husband, Chris, are missionaries on the way to Japan. Amen? Hey, listen, listen, this man Barzillai was devoted regardless of the distance. He was devoted regardless of the danger. Notice something else. He was devoted regardless of being disreputed. Being associated with David could put you on the blacklist. Being associated with David at that time could cost you your career and your business. 
Being associated with David meant he wouldn't have certain types of friends in Mark. Barzillai didn't care. Barzillai got his focus on the fact, I've got a king over here who's in trouble and he needs some help and he needs some food and he needs some bedding and he needs some supplies and he's out there. And regardless of what other people think about it, my mind and my heart hasn't changed. He's still my king. I still believe in him. I'm still going to follow him. I'm still going to love him. And listen, this man had an ardent devotion for King David. But notice something else. Brazilian only encourages us about how to have an ardent devotion or love for him. But notice he teaches about it, the abundant donation he made for him. Would you notice chapter 17? In chapter 17, we see this man, Barzillai, he's introduced to us here. And it says in chapter 17, verse 27, And it came to pass when David was come to Mahanium. Mahanium is first mentioned to us in Scripture where, where, where the angels came and met with, with Jacob. And there in Genesis 31, they met with him at J- the Jacob there, Mahanium, and, the, and he called that place Mahanium, which means God's host, God's, God's angels that take care of me. And listen, this man, Barzillai, had no idea that he and this man named Shobi and this man by the name of uh, this man and this other man of, uh, the, the, that's there, Meshur, who's from Lodabar, he had no idea that these three men were, were like angels and, and that, were, that God was sending in the life of this man by the name of David. And so Barzillai comes down there. You'll notice chapter 17, verse 27. It says, It came to pass when David was come to Mahanium that Shobi the son of Nahash of Rabbah of the children of Ammon and Mashur the son of Amiel of Lodabar and Barzillai the Gilead of Rotham. And I wish I had time to tell you about those other two men, but focus on Barzillai. Verse 28, it says, They brought beds and basins and earthen vessels and wheat and barley and corn, flour and parched corn and beans and lentils and parched pulse and honey and butter and sheep and, and cheese for kind for David and for the people that were with him. For they said, The people is hungry and weary and thirsty and wonders. Hey, listen, when you read this, there's a reason why God gives us a very vivid description of this abundant provision. They came to bring an abundant donation because they love their king. Notice the examination for their donation. The thing they tell us in verse 29, the writer says here, the people is hungry and weary and thirsty in the wilderness. Barzillai I love David with abundant desire. He was a very great man, the Bible tells us. He was a man of great means. He was a wealthy man. He'd accumulated much and decided, what good is all this money if I die? If I die, it's not going to go with me. It's better I give it away now than to take it with me. And he comes and brings all these provisions to David. This man comes. Notice he examined. There was a need. Listen, when you're living for God and you're praying to get God's mind on things. You want to examine what the need is. And thank God tonight that we have a church that examined the need without me having to go into all the detail. Thank you for trusting God and trusting His Word as we've gone through Philippians chapter 4 and 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 in preparation for faith promised missions. And as Dr. Sis reinforced all that with powerful preaching last Sunday morning, Sunday night, you listened to the Word of God and you responded. And just like Barzillai, we came with an abundant donation because we first started with an examination. What's the examination, Pastor? The world needs more churches. The world needs more missionaries. We need to get more things done. Our missionaries need support. They need help. Listen, 1 Timothy 6, verses 17, 19. Would you read this? Charge them that are rich in this world, that they be not high-minded, nor trust in uncertain riches, but in the living God, who giveth us richly all things to enjoy, that they do good, and that they be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to communicate, laying up in store for themselves a good foundation. It's the time to come that they may lay hold on eternal life. You know what God's telling everybody who lives here in America? You've got 
got more than the rest of the world. You live in America, you're not in poverty. You live in America, you've got more than other people. Listen, we are rich, but we're to be rich in good works, ready to distribute, willing to give, willing to participate in the things of God. Hey, as a good Christian, you want to be in this ma- mindset. You're ready to distribute. If the pastor gets up and says, hey, there's a need, we've got to raise up some money, we've got to send it here. We need to be ready to contribute. We need to be ready to participate in things like that. There is examination, their donation. But notice, secondly, notice the extremes in their donation. Would you notice verses 20 and 29? We have a detailed listing of all the things that were needed. And by the way, notice verse 29. It was for David first and then for the people. It was for the Lord and then the need. Then he gave their leftovers. Then he gave their second-hand stuff. You ever notice when you give your second-hand stuff, you don't, you don't have any emotion. You're just glad to get rid of it. Right? Think about what you give to Goodwill. You have no emotion about that. They didn't give their, the food nobody else wanted. They didn't give a tip. It's like some people, they pray, they say, well, God, we just want to give you a little bit. They didn't pray that kind of prayer. We're just going to give you a little bit. They gave of the extreme. The Bible says here in verse 28, they gave beds and basins and earthen vessels and wheat and barley and flour and parched corn and beans and lentils and parched pulse and honey and butter and sheep and cheese of kind. I imagine today if these guys, if there was a Costco back in that day, they would have gone down to Costco, bought all those things firsthand. I imagine that if there was a Sprouts during that day, they would have gone to Sprouts or Trader Joe's and bought all those things firsthand. I imagine whatever it was, they gave the best they have. They gave out of their best that they did for Jesus there, for David. They gave them. It cost them. They gave of their extreme. And listen tonight, if our giving is not of our extremes, then what are we giving to God? Oh, listen, he showed his love by the abundance of his donation. There were the extremes. There was examination. Notice verse 28, 29. They gave of their extras. That wasn't enough. They were willing to bring more. You show your love for Jesus when you give a little extra. Listen to this tonight. Listen to this. We obey Jesus when we tithe. Do you hear me? We obey Jesus when we tithe. We love Jesus when we make an offering. But you really love Jesus when you give extra. Amen? You really love Jesus when you give extra. When it hurts... It means a decrease. It means your financial statement is going to take a decrease. It's going to take a hit. Well, praise God. It may take a hit there, but man, it did something great for you for heavenly, heavenly treasures. Amen. Thank you for faith, promise, support. We remind you not to lose sight of the extra we need for the 1K challenge. We still have a building here that's been a blessing, a building here that God is using. We're adding people to it. People are coming and enjoying the new building. We want to get that building filled up, and we want to get classes started. And we've got to get people trained to take some classes and get some things going. But I'm going to tell you tonight, we still have debt on this building that needs to be paid. And I want to encourage you tonight to get alongside with the mindset we need to have. We need to be part of that 1K challenge. I'm praying that 400 of our people will come with a minimum of $1,000, a minimum $1,000 between now and January 20th. And I'm going to give you three prescribed dates you can participate so you don't have to 
to wait to January 20th. We already have a few people, a handful of people have already participated. They've already given them 1K. When they first heard about it, they said, I'm on board, Pastor, get me on board. And I'm saying for everyone who's high school age or junior high age and up, everyone can participate in this. Everyone has enough time to start thinking about what they need to do to scrounge up that little bit extra money, what they have to sell, what extra jobs they've got to do, what you've got to do to get there. I'm just saying tonight, they gave of their extremes and they gave of their extra. Listen, you obey Jesus when you tie. You love Jesus when you give an offering. But you really love Jesus when you give an extra. One of our famous personalities here in the Bay Area is a man by the name of Mark Benioff. You know the name Mark Benioff? Mark Benioff is the founder of Salesforce.com. They have a big convention coming up later this, later this month. And I've got some friends coming from overseas that call me and said, Pastor, we're coming overseas to go to the Salesforce.com uh, uh, van or whatever they've got going in there. He says, can we meet you for dinner? And I said, what in the world are you doing there? And he told me what they're going to be doing there. But Mark Benioff has built a, a, just a great name for himself. In fact, they've got a building that's been, that's been constructed there in San Francisco called the Salesforce.com building. All of you have seen that if you've driven to the city there. And Mark Benioff did something very unique. He gave of his extreme in 2010 when he gave a gift to UCSF Hospital of $100 million. Man, just give me 5% of that, we'd be happy. Amen? For our building. Hey, but you know what? He gave an extreme of $100 million and the, the board of directors of UCSF was very excited about it and they made all these things. Go visit the website. They just give all these accolades. But Mark Benioff and his wife Lynn did something beyond that. They not only gave of their extreme, they gave of their extras because in 2014, Mark Benioff gave another $100 million to UCSF Medical Center. $200 million. He gave... 100 in 2010, he gave 100 in 2014 for something he believes in. Hey, listen, I want to encourage you tonight. I want you to love Jesus. I want you to give to Jesus, not because you just believe me. I want you to give to Jesus because you love Jesus Christ tonight. Amen. Oh, man, we look at Barzillia and he, we see his ardent devotion. We see his abundant donation. But you notice the third thing tonight. Look at verses 33 to 37 back in chapter 19. We're almost done. Barzillai loved David with an ardent devotion. Barzillai loved David with an abundant donation. He showed, he proved his love. But notice this third thing, verses 33 to 37. Barzillai loved David because he anticipated his departure. He anticipated his departure. Notice what's going on here. In verse 33, the king said to Barzillai, Come thou over with me, and I will feed thee with me in Jerusalem. And Barzillai said to the king, How long have I to live that I should go with the king into Jerusalem? I am this day fourscore years old. Can I discern between good and evil? Can thy servant taste what I eat or what I drink? Can I hear any more the voice of singing men and singing women? Wherefore then should thy servant be yet a burden unto my lord the king? Thy servant will go a little way over Jordan with the king... And why should the king recompense me with such a reward? Let thy servant, I pray thee, turn back again, that I might die in my own city and be buried by the grave of my father and of my mother. But behold, thy servant Shimham, let him go over with my lord the king and do to him which does him good unto thee. Now you read these, you say, well, where do you see devotion? I want you to understand what's going on in this man's mind. When he appears to David, David is just getting, has been grieving. David has been grieving the loss of his son Absalom. David's heart is still broken. It's still very raw and very tender that his son has died. And he's thinking in his mind, oh, if I could just get those years back. Oh, if I could just get my son back right with God. If I could relive my years as a father with a young boy, I would do all this different. I would do all that right. And David realized it was too late. And he was beating himself up. And he's grieving. And here he has this man, Barzillai, coming. Barzillai, when he came to in chapter 17, was at a critical time when he was a breath of fresh air to David. And he was in 
encouraging to David. David never forgot that deed that he brought all these beddings and, 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 the, and the beans and the lentils and all the things that he brought and the honey and the cheese and the sheep. He never forgot all those things. And he looks over here at Barzillai. He says, Barzillai, he says, tell you what, you know what? I'm just seeing you here as a blessing. I tell you what, Barzillai, I want to take care of you. I tell you what, Barzillai, I'm going to head back to the city. I want you to come with me. You're, I know you're an old man. Let me take care of you. Let, let me just care for you. You're an old man. I mean, he saw the man was failing. He probably saw that he probably couldn't see as well as he did before. And he probably could tell this. he's talking about. He couldn't discern between good and evil that maybe he was repeating himself over and over again. And he didn't make sense sometimes when he talked. And he maybe he saw some early signs of dimension of this man. And he looked at this man by the name of Barzillai. And he said, Barzillai, I realize all these things. And I know you've got a lot. But let me take care of you, Barzillai. Let me care for you. Let me take you under my wings. Let me care for you. Stay with me till the day you die. But that wasn't Barzillai. Listen, Barzillai did not come to David that day seeking to get something more out of David. Dave, he came to David because he wanted David to know just one thing. King, I want you to know I love you. King, I'm not here to be a burden. King, I'm here to be a blessing. Listen, there were those who came to David who came to be a burden to David. They came to get something from David. But not this man, Barzillai. He loved David so much, he came to David and said, David, I don't care about the burden. I don't care about all those things. He said, look, I can't discern. I can't taste like before. I can't understand singing and all those things. But one thing I want you to know, I didn't come to get anything from you. I came to give something to you. I'm telling you tonight, some people come to church and all they think about is what the church can do for them. Hey, you need to change your thinking tonight and realize it's not about what the church can do for you. It's what you can do for the church. And some of us pray to God and come to God as if God is a slot machine and we're just pulling down that one arm batted or he's an ATM machine and we punch in the pin number and think we're supposed to get something from God. Hey, the day needs to change when we stop being a burden to the Lord and start being a blessing to God. Amen, Pastor. You say, how long do I have to live? And shame on us if all we live for church week after week It's Friday night refreshments after the club meetings. What's for breakfast out here in the courtyard? Is the church going to have a luncheon? And people walking around talking, I've heard them, well, you know what, I'd rather have a, I'd rather have a Krispy Kreme instead of having a bagel here. I mean, these are better. I'd rather have this here. Hey, how come we don't have any coffee today? And where's the bottle of water? Hey, where's the time you come to Jesus? Hey, I just can't wait to get along with Jesus. Amen. Don't look at me like that. He was rare. How long have I had to live? He wasn't saying he didn't want the king to care for him. All that mattered to him was he had the king. <laughs> All that mattered to him is that he could touch the king and embrace the king. He says, man, I'm so glad you're back on the throne. And I'm so glad that you're back in your place. And I'm so glad that the people are coming to you. That's all that matters. That's why he made the 50-mile trick all the way back down. He just wanted David to know, David, I made the trick to just tell you I love you, David. Brazilian, as he closed out his life, he wanted us to see, and God wants us to see, he closed out his life the same way he's introduced. He closes out his life as a giver, not a taker. You hear what I said? He closes out his life as a giver, not a taker.
How long do I have to live? David, if I come back with you, I'm going to have worse dementia. David, if I come back to you, you're going to want to do all these things. I don't want to be a burden to you. I want to be a blessing. I, you know, I, God will take care of me. He says, but he said, listen, I just want you to know, I'm anticipating the days coming soon. I'm going to leave this life. And I want you to know before I leave this life, I love you with all my heart, all my soul and all my mind. I want you to know that regardless of what everybody else does around here, I've come to you because I just for one fact, I love you. And may we just say tonight that the reason why we come to church and the reason why we read our Bible and the reason why we pray and the reason why we win souls and the reason why we give and the reason why we participate and the reason why we do a little bit more is because we love the Lord Jesus Christ. One more thing and I'm done. He loved him with an ardent devotion. He loved him through an abundant donation. He loved him because he anticipated his departure. But you notice we close this passage. Notice he loved him through the assignment of his descendant. He said, I'm well taken care of. I'm content. It's all good, king. But I want you to know one thing. Look at chapter 19. I want you to know one thing. In verse uh, 37. But behold. Thy servant Chimham. Let him go over with my lord the king. And do to him. Which shall seem good unto thee. Put your seatbelt on right now. This is a good part. King, I love you. But I've got a boy here. His name is Chim Ham. Before I leave this life, King, take my son with you and do to him as seemeth good to thee. You can have him. He didn't want, he wasn't saying he didn't want my son. He wasn't saying he didn't love my, he loved his son. But he loved his son so much, he wanted his son to have the same love for David that he had for David. Because you know what? He grew up in a generation that didn't have that closeness. He grew up in a generation that didn't understand the price that was paid and the wars that were fought. He didn't understand the bloodshed that occurred. He, but, but Barzillai did. Barzillai followed the king from the whole time. God, he came to the kingdom. Barzillai remembered the days when he fought with Goliath. Barzillai remembered the days when he ran from Saul. Barzillai remembered all those battles he fought. He said, but I've got a son right here. A son that's grown up here. And he's a second generation believer and he doesn't understand all the things and he says listen what you can do for me more than anything else would you take my son would you just take my son would you bring my son back with you and listen I give my son to you and you do to him is what seemeth good to thee I'm saying tonight here's a man who showed his love for the Lord the greatest thing he gave beyond his life he was willing for the Lord to have his son I trust you with my son do to him what seemeth good to thee. Now I'm going to correct a lie the devil's been circulating since day one. Since day one, the devil is circulating in my mind, in your mind, and in churches like this, and through believers through the ages, he's circulating this lie. It's a bad thing to give your son to Jesus. It's a bad thing to give your children to the Lord. It's a bad thing to dedicate your children to God. It's a bad thing to say, Lord, you can have them. But I want to tell you tonight, I go over to Genesis chapter 22, and there's a man by the name of Abraham, and Abraham's so in love with God. He's a man 130 years old, and he's got this revelation from God in the previous chapter where God has revealed himself as, uh, as El Olam, the 
everlasting God. He's thinking, man, God is so good. God never changes. God is everlasting. God is infinite. He's the everlasting Father. He's, he's my Father in heaven. He never changes. He's so good. He's everlasting in His holiness. He's everlasting in His goodness. He's everlasting in His love. He's everlasting in His faithfulness. He's everlasting in His mercy. And then the day came. God came down to Abraham. He said, Abraham, I want you to do something for me. He said, yes, Lord, what do you want me to do for you? He said, I want you to give me your son, your only begotten son. You go up to Mount Moriah and I want you to give my, your son to me. Listen, you wait that, but it, but it thrills my heart. He takes his son Isaac, who's 30 years old. That was the apple of his eye next to his wife, Sarah. He loved his son. And this, and he said, Lord, whatever you want me to do, I'll do it. And listen, he puts his son up on that altar. His son even asked a question. I see the fire. I see the wood. But where's the sacrifice? He said, the Lord will provide the sacrifice. He puts his son on the altar and he's willing to give his son. He said, why would he do such a thing? Because he has such faith. When you read Hebrews chapter 11, he had faith that his son would be resurrected one day. Man, I'm telling you tonight, you want to see a faith of a church that gets on fire is when all the parents come down the aisle and give their children to God and say, God, you can have them because I love them because you do to them what seemeth good to thee, Lord. That's scaring 90% of us in the room right now. Would you take my son? Would you take my daughter? Would you have them, Lord? Because I want my son to learn to love you like I loved you. I want my son to get close to you like I've gotten close to you. I want my son, I realize that maybe I've had a disconnect with my son. He doesn't really catch, he really doesn't see the example I've set. But I know God, he says, David, I know if my son gets around you. And I know if my son just learns about you. And he learns your love. And he hears the psalms. And he hears you singing. And he hears you playing the harp. And he hears your love for God. And he hears you say, oh, I love the Lord because he's heard my supplication. I know my son will love you. I know my son will live for you. I know my son will serve you. And I'm saying tonight, if this church is going to have a next generation, if this church is going to have a succession plan, if this church is going to go somewhere for God, we need some of us who've been around here for a long period of time to decide tonight we're going to say, God, do to him what seemeth good to thee. That's loving Jesus. And look at David's answer, verse 38. The king answered, Chimham shall go over with me. He wasn't staying there. He says, Chimham can go over with me. When Barzilli, I heard that, I imagine that 80-year-old man had a smile on his face, like probably not like the day he got saved. He can go with me. I'll teach him things. I'll show him things. He'll be so glad he came with me. And he said there in verse, notice here, verse 38, let him go over to me. David said this, and I will do to him that which shall seem good unto thee. He says, you can trust me with your son. <laughs> you can trust me with your son. We got this perverted thought that the will of God is going to put us in some prison. Listen, it's better to be in prison in the will of God than be out in the world out of the will of God. Then look what David promises him. David said in the latter part of verse 38, he said the first, the middle part, I will do to him that will seem good unto thee. And whatsoever thou shalt require me, 
that will I do for thee. You know what he's doing for Barzillai? This man had dementia. You know what he's doing for Barzillai? He's saying, listen, Barzillai, for whatever years you got left, I'm going to stretch your imagination. Whatever you ask me to do for your son, I'm going to do it. Hey, can you imagine? Why don't you pray for your son to be a D.L. Moody? Why don't you pray for your son to be a David Livingston? Why don't you pray for your son to be a David Barnhouse? Hey, today, let's, 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 how about some of you, some of us tonight, let's pray for our sons that God raise up another Rick Martin. Hey, Rick Martin is 65, 67 years old. There's got to have to be a replacement for a Rick Martin one day. Why don't you pray for your son to be a Terry Unruh and go to Sri Lanka and do something great for God? Why don't you pray for your son to be a Sam Thomas that'll be a third generation missionary that'll go to India, that area of Kerala and do something great for God? I'm saying tonight, he's saying, whatever you ask me, that will I do. Listen, it doesn't end when you just give your child to God. It doesn't end when you just show your devotion that way. He says, keep on praying. Keep on stretching your imagination. Keep on having faith in God that God will get the job done. Barzillai is showing extreme love for David once again. He's saying, my time in this life is almost over. You can have my son. Let me give you a thought. It's not profound. But it makes us think. Listen to this. If you love Jesus, if you love Jesus, you are thinking what is best for your descendants. If you love Jesus, you're thinking what is best for your descendants. Hey, more important than me building a children's play center in this for our property, one day maybe we'll do that to help our kids. More important than that, I'd rather see your kids learn about the missionaries and give their lives to God. This man did not come to David to be a burden. He didn't come to David for an agenda. He came out of pure adoration for David. He said, whatsoever thou shalt inquire of me, that will I do it for thee. You know what David was saying here? I'm Jehovah Jireh. <laughs> As Jesus saying, I'm Jehovah Jireh. I'm the Lord who sees and the Lord. That's what God said to David. Hey, Abraham, he knew God is El Olam, the everlasting God. And he needed a new revelation because, man, he's just shaking by his faith. He's shaking his boots right there. He's about to plunge that knife into his son, Isaac. And then the Lord says, listen over yonder in that bush here. And he saw a ram caught by the thicket in its horns. And he saw God provided. He named that place Jehovah Jireh. You know what he did? God gave him a wonderful revelation that only comes when you're growing in love, love with the Lord. These revelations only come, these, these understandings of God and, and theology and understanding who God is and his character, his person, only comes when you're willing to make some sacrifice, when you're willing to step out and bleed some blood and give some things away for God. And he realized there, you know what? God loves me. God God loves me so much. God loves me so much. God is the God sees and God provides. Verse 40, then the king went to Gilgal. And Chimhon went on with him. And all the people of Judah conducted the king. Also half the people of Israel. He loved him with an ardent devotion. He loved him with an abundant donation. He loved him in anticipation of his departure. He loved him through the assignment of his descendant. We're done.
Do you love the king? Do you love the king? Do you love the king? Don't sound like it. Do you love the king? There is a name I love to hear. I love to sing its worth. It sounds like music in my ears. The sweetest name on earth. Stand and sing with me. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because He first loved me. It tells me of a Savior's love who died to set me free. It tells me of His precious blood, the sinner's perfect plea. Sing it like you mean it. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Oh, how I love Jesus. Because He first loved me. My Jesus, I love Thee. I know Thou art mine. For Thee all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art Thou. If ever I love Thee, my Jesus, tis now. Look at that one. I love Thee because Thou First love in me, sing it with a smile on your face, and purchase my pardon on Calvary's tree. I love thee for wearing the thorns on thy brow. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. I'll love thee in life, I will love. That's what Barzillai said. And pray. He said, how long shall I live? Long as thou lendest me breath. And say, where death do lies cold on my brow? If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now on the last in mansions of glory and endless delight. Do you mean it? I'll ever adore thee in heaven so bright. I'll sing with a glittering crown on my brow. If ever I love thee, my Jesus, tis now. He loved him with an ardent devotion. He loved him through an abundant donation. 
He loved them because he anticipated his departure. He loved them through the assignment of a descendant. Do with him what seemeth good to thee. And David responded, Whatsoever thou shalt require of me, that will I do. We need to have an invitation time. Tomorrow's Labor Day anyway. You're not in a hurry. Do you love him? Do you love him? He had a devotion for him, regardless of the distance. He had a, regard, he had a devotion for him, regardless of the dangers. He had re- devotion for him, regardless of the disrepute. Paul said it this way, we're the scum of the earth. But he loved him. He loved him. Do you love the Lord? Father, tonight, thank you for Brasilia. What a testimony of love for his king. Lord, deliver us from spiritual indifference, coldness of love, a passionless Christianity, a jaded mindset. Brasilia didn't come to the king to be a burden. He didn't come for a handout with a shopping bag in one hand and an open hand in the other. He came just to tell the king, I made the trip here, just so you know I love you. Lord, for a moment, I can open the invitation up. I believe, Lord, you're meeting with us right now. We just meet with you. Take some time to say, Jesus, I love you. The invitation's open. Would you come tell the Lord you love him? Don't hesitate. You hesitate to tell your wife, your husband, you love them. There's something wrong there. There's something wrong if you don't come to tell Jesus you love him. Would you come this morning, this evening? Come join us. planted earth you know for sure you're going to heaven is it difficult for us to tell the Lord Jesus I love you Lord I love you I'll promise you this he doesn't hear it enough from us he had an ardent devotion he made an abundant donation anticipated his departure gave him his descendant. He gave more than beds and basins and lentils and parcels and all those things. He just said, would you take Chimham? It's easy to give someone else's child away. 
It's easy to give someone else's possession away. How about us? How about us tonight? Father, tonight, we love you. We don't say that cheaply. We don't say that in a disrespectful way. Lord, Barzillai showed he loved you just for showing up, coming back again. Not when to be asked, he volunteered. He and his two friends said the people are hungry and weary and tired. Lord, up in heaven, when everybody else wasn't paying attention, you saw what they did. It showed such devotion. You took a snapshot and put an inspired scripture to inspire us. The great commandment says we're to love the Lord our God with all our heart and our soul and all our mind. Help us to work on our love. Help moms and dads tonight to pray over their kids, pray over their homes, pray over their lives. The moment, Lord, we're going home. Dismiss us with your blessing. Be glorified in our lives, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for being here tonight. And um, 